Hi, it's Adam, and welcome to my podcast, Marketer Insider, where you'll get the inside scoop on what's working in the marketing world today. You'll hear case studies from real-world businesses and interviews from successful, respected, and sought-after marketers. So today is a very special episode. I've actually just heard from Tom himself that I've given him permission to be ruthless. So Tom's an insanely incredible marketer. He's someone that has impacted my life from a marketing perspective, but not just my life, many other lives as well. And he's really making a ripple in the marketing community and he's becoming well known for it. So let's jump in. Hey, Tom. <laughs> this is this is Tom being ruthless. <laughs> no, I'm getting attention, mate. I'm getting attention, which is the... A very primary key in marketing. Thank you, Adam, for having me on the show. Awesome. uh, I'm looking forward to informing the people, so to speak. Informing the people. (laughs) You mentioned attention very early on in this podcast, pretty much the first word out of your mouth. Would you say, why would you say attention is so important? Why would you say that attention is the first thing you're opening with? Because people have very short attention spans these days. They see 10,000 ads a day. And the way that they scroll through social media from a functional level means that uh, they swipe very fast. And so unless you can get their attention, then it doesn't matter what on earth your post or caption or call to action is about because they're never going to see it in the first place. Awesome. So it's about getting noticed. Getting noticed, but then obviously having the goods to carry through with as well but getting noticed is the first part. Cool. Well, I want to take this back to where it all began. What was it, what, what was it like growing up in the Redaway household? Um, my, my dad had his own business for a while. Uh, yeah. He kind of came from corporate and business and back to corporate. My mom was um, kind of a nurse and then uh, she managed doctor's practices and whatnot. So it was kind of like a, not so much a full-blown entrepreneur, you know, family, uh, but dad definitely had his stints and whatnot. We didn't have too much money growing up. Um, Lots of kind of, uh, you know, lots of Christmases without too many presents and whatnot. Not that that was a bad Mm -hmm. thing at all. You know, everything makes you who you are. However, uh, yeah, it was definitely a uh, hustler's mentality in terms of, you know, affording the expensive video games and clothes and whatnot. So that's kind of where my career started bit of a, a hustler mentality background <laughs> hashtag cool hustler. yeah that's 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 interesting so what were the beliefs around entrepreneurship around business around marketing when you were growing up um there wasn't too much to do with marketing i, I think mm-hmm. that i realized uh from dad's uh i'm not gonna say lack of success but dad's um he, you know, he, he expected a lot more than he got, so to speak. And I think that I could see from a very young age, it was because not too many people knew about him. And, you know, he was the, he didn't have enough leverage through the internet. He was kind of going around knocking on people's doors, you know, trying to sell software and whatnot. So I think, you know, I, I realized early on that it was good to get attention, talk to people, put the word out there, et cetera, et cetera, because that was kind of the make or break of a good, um, product you know you can have the best product in the world but unless people know about it then uh, it's not going to sell at all so um very very sporty background um lots of friends and whatnot but uh yeah Mm. i kind of 
went my separate way early on and started a few different things. Awesome. So let's go into a few of those different things. What was the first thing you remember starting? First thing I remember starting was uh, we backed onto a park and we had this big thing called a bunya nut tree and these bunya nuts were completely useless, but we thought they were decent. So we uh, collected them, <laughs> collected them, went and knocked on doors, sold them. And uh, I think obviously people just felt sorry for us, but uh, we got the money and I think we afforded, we were able to afford a few Nintendo 64 video games back in the day. So that's, that's, that's where the investment went. Um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then after that, it just kind of grew from there. How old were you when you were doing this selling door to door? Maybe like nine or 10, I'd say. Nine or 10. So very yeah. early roots in the business marketing, entrepreneur sales world. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. And how did that progress for you? What were your next sort of steps? When did you start to realize marketing slash entrepreneurship is something I want to be doing? Uh, when I saw my friends getting jobs at McDonald's and not earning too much, I was really into fashion and I was sick of going into uh, stores and seeing men's white and black shirts for $100 and thinking, why the hell are they so expensive? Surely I can do something better than this. So I had my mum's old sewing machine, got a bit of material together, you know, 100 tents later, I made the first T-shirt. And then after that, awesome. uh, I found a uh, pattern maker, they're called. So they get the big cardboard out and... Uh, draw all the stencils and whatnot, then you get the material, then you take it to a manufacturer and they do the big chopper and whatnot, sew it all together. And then I just went door to door again um, to different uh, boutique sort of fashion stores in Brisbane and got some consignment deals where you only get paid if they sell the stuff, but they ended up selling a fair bit of stuff. So I think this was around 16 years old. And um, yeah, I ended up selling that one for, you know, about 20,000 or so. And um, after that, I was like, all right, well, uh, I made a lot more money than my friends at McDonald's. So maybe sure, I can yeah. try, it again, try it again and level it up. So that's kind of the first mini success. Awesome. And where did that first success take you after that? After that, I really realized that online was where it was at. That was when... Uh, a lot of stuff was coming online and so I I had my sights on that but yeah it took probably five or so failures to really hit the next nail on the head which was um, which was the fitness stuff. Awesome so I think let's dive straight into the fitness stuff. Uh, a lot of people may not know this about you or people that know your story will definitely know that the fitness side of your life plays a big role and you've had some awesome successes into the fitness stuff and done some really innovative stuff there. So I'd be interested to talk a little bit about that experience and that journey and what you actually did that allow you, allowed you to stand out. And as you open this with, get attention. How did you get attention? <laughs> so I, yeah, I was big into the fitness. I was just working out from my um, you know, parents' backyard, so to speak. And uh, my brother and I, you know, we had decent bodies, but nothing too crazy. And we went along to a bodybuilding competition uh, one day just to suss it out. And, yes. you know, the guys looked good, but we thought that we could at least compete with them, um, you know, given uh, 12 to 8 weeks. Oh, sorry, so 8 to 12 weeks or something like that. And so yes. we kind of made a bit of a pact to, to put everything together and um, and step up on stage. So obviously that involved a lot of, you know, meal prep and workouts and whatnot. So we documented it to an extent. 
And, you know, towards when we were getting leaner and looking a bit better, lots of people started reaching out saying, you know, how are you doing this? Um, you guys have got some pretty good transformations going, you know, I'd be interested in, in learning how you did it. So putting, you know, one and two together, I uh, decided to just create like a bit of a cheat sheet, you know, 60 day transformation sort of thing. Awesome. Sold it to a few friends for 150 bucks. And then I was still focused on the, um, the fitness stuff. We entered the competition, did pretty well, went to the US, did all right over there. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, probably picked up to about 100 organic customers. And I thought, shit, maybe, you know, there's there's something to this. Yeah, awesome. And did you originally get into this? And the, you mentioned documentation. Was that for the business side of things? Mm, not so much. It was more just to get the ladies. Okay. Just <laughs> Fair enough. I guess a lot of people are, are doing that. And so that transformed into a bit of a business. How did you get your first 100 customers? Well, it was just the organic. It was just posting on uh, Facebook. I think we had an Instagram. I just was using my personal Instagram page at the time. I think we got a sponsorship with a supplement company as well. So that maybe gave us a bit more exposure. Awesome. Uh, but it was essentially like my, my uh, tagline, which I think is very important in the marketing world, is something tangible. So it was kind of like results guaranteed. And so it was essentially you could come to me and say, Tom, I want to lose five kilos. And I'd say, okay, here's the exact formula. If you don't reach it, I'll give you your money back. So it's kind of like a win-win for the customer. Sure. How, how could you take that results guaranteed sort of mentality and give it to someone who is wanting to get into the marketing world, who's looking for either working for a company or they want to do like freelance work for other companies? how can they come with that mindset where they're adding more value than they're taking delivering the results? First of all, I guess you have to understand what the customer actually wants. And so if you don't know that and you just push your agenda on them, then it's very hard to uh, guarantee anything because even if you do that, it's might, that might want it in the first place sort of thing. Yes. Um, so it starts with talking to the customer, working out what their actual pain points are, and then, you know, hopefully your business or your idea is good enough to, you know, guarantee their success at least 90% of the time. And if that's, you know, the case, then there's no reason why you can't fully guarantee it because I dare say that of a thousand customers, you know, if your product's decent, then maybe 10 will ask for a refund. Uh, but you would have converted probably 250 to 500 just because you offered that results guarantee. Yeah, awesome. That's really powerful. So diving a bit deeper into the fitness stuff, you did some pretty unique stuff to get customers. So this is probably, I'm assuming, after your first 100 or 200 mm -hmm. organic customers, you discovered something. So I'd like to go back to that time period where you were, let, let's just hear it from you. What were you getting up to? <laughs> so back in the day, Tinder, uh, which is a, uh, a famous dating application, which I'm sure your users understand um, that was that had a feature that was called Tinder Moments, and essentially it was a variation of Instagram Stories, where you could upload a video or a photo for 24 hours. It would go out to all your matches. Being the uh, young dashing bachelor that I was, I had about a thousand matches or so, and one day I wasn't even thinking, and I put up a before and after photo of a female fitness client who had lost about 10 kilos. Yes. I just said hashtag proud trainer or something like that. And then within 10 minutes I had, you know, how much is it? When can I get started? Uh, what does it involve? How much does it cost? Et cetera, et cetera. 
And I, I didn't really think too much about it. I just kind of ran them through a bit of a sales script and you know, converted one or two, made 300 yeah. bucks. And then I was sitting back one day and I thought, shit, maybe the formula is more matches equals more money. <laughs> and so I decided to start swiping on everybody. Uh, yes. No, no holes barred, so to speak. And, um, and, you know, ended up getting to about 5,000 matches, repeated the process, put the moment up again. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I maybe made $2,000, $3,000 that day. Sure. Ended up, ended up getting banned, um, reported, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, because you're not exactly allowed to do that. So I kind of got a little yes. bit smarter about it. And I guess a, a takeaway lesson for the, the listeners is, I changed my approach of only waiting for the, you know, the, the people from uh, to react to the moment to changing my description in my profile, which, you know, all of the traffic saw, so to speak, to mm. I transform people's bodies in 60 days or something along those lines. It wasn't so much a yes. sales pitch, but it was more like an inkling that if you want to talk about that, then let's talk about that. And so, uh, yeah, I'd say that for every, I think the analytics were like for, for every hundred matches, I'd get one sale. And okay. so all I needed to do was, um, yeah, get more matches uh, and then, uh, yeah, convert them over. I ended up taking them over to Instagram because Tinder blocked me so many times. Um, and okay. then that was good. So made a bit of money from that. And then one day I was thinking, all right, let's try and get really creative. And I'm not a, a gay guy, but I ended mm -hmm. up turning on looking for men as well. And, uh, okay. you know, I, I might match with like one in 10 girls, but for the guys, it was probably two out of three, that's 66%. And these guys had a little bit more money, more interested in, you know, uh, physical fitness and whatnot. So the reason why I have a, a decent Instagram following at the moment is because most of them are gay Brazilian guys okay. <laughs> from uh, the other side of the world. So yeah. uh, and the third part of that story is Tinder Plus came out. And so I was able to change my location to lots of different places in the world, make a lot of connections. I think I got up to about 35,000 matches at one stage. Yes. And um, I had a few people uh, representing the company sure. <laughs> in other areas, in other locations awesome. in the world. They were they were um, real like real people, or these were your accounts. Uh, they were real people representing yeah. me through my account in different countries. Okay, awesome, <laughs> cool. So you started to hire yeah. people at that point. I didn't hire people. I had a big pile of money in the middle of a table and had some of my mates in, uh, in the driver's seat with different phones in different locations. And when somebody uh, put through a payment or sent them a screenshot of a proof of payment, I just yes. take the $50 out of the middle and give it to them. And they were all earning, you know, $1,000 a day or so. It was pretty solid. Wow. So, so this mm. is a business was doing well. It was point. good. It was good. It's we good. made a lot of money very quickly and then, Promptly, uh, <laughs> it, I, I soon realized that it, it was good, uh, but it wasn't scalable at all and it wasn't reliable. You know, every day we'd wake up and we'd have our accounts blocked and everything like that. And yes. so that's when I, I really started to look elsewhere for um, different business ideas that were more legal, so to speak. Okay, awesome. And <laughs> so you decided to take a bit of a different step after this. Where did your career, I suppose, evolve to? I... Uh, a, a business that we skipped was um, I, I created an app back in the day. Mm -hmm. I was doing real estate for a little bit, didn't enjoy it. Ended okay. up um, outsourcing an app that, idea that I had to a guy in China. He built it. Uh, we kind of built it up to I think 20,000, 30,000 users. Wasn't too yes. bad. Sold it to a guy in Sydney for 
10, 20,000 or something. Amazing. Um, but I, I saw the, the power of, you know, apps and the online space there. Was this so, very early on in the like app days when there was that big boom yeah. of apps? Yeah, when like the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if I look back on it today, it was complete garbage, but it was actually on like the top rated, you know, section for a while. And, you yes. know, it, it got a fair bit of organic push. I didn't have that's a That's a big thing. A big lesson takeaway was that I spent, you know, 99.9% of the budget on research and development and building and then 0.1% sure. on marketing. Yeah. It needs to be the other way around. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, that's a takeaway lesson for the listeners. Takeaway lesson is spend more time on the marketing side of things. Yeah, like, you know, if you have a budget for a project, then maximum 30% should be for everything else that doesn't include marketing. Marketing needs to be a big um, a big section of it, that's for sure. Awesome. So we can we can see just from that statement that you believe marketing is crucial, marketing is essential where does this belief come from? So would you say it comes from those days of the app? Um, I guess you're right to a point, but my big belief is that the idea is the most important thing. Um, and you know, if you have an amazing idea and you tell five people and they all buy, then, um, Essentially, marketing is important, but it's not um, the be all end all because you'll probably get like a lot of organic marketing, so to speak. Marketing is super important when you want to grow very quickly. And the type of marketing that you do is getting attention very quickly, whether that be by yelling, um, like I did to start with, or by having an incredible idea, or by pumping, you know, 50,000 into AdWords a day or something yes. like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, but at the end of the day, you know, you can have uh, a horrendous product and you might make one or two sales, but marketing isn't going to save it. And same for the other way around. Yeah. So, so they have to work hand in hand, you'd say. Marketing yeah, sure. with an awesome product. Yeah. Awesome idea. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then what happens next? So you've, you've, you've got a taste of the app world. Yeah, so I had a taste of the app world. So I was just literally lying on my couch one day and thought of an idea. Um, and I took it to a guy on the Gold Coast that I knew that had a little bit of money and it was kind of into investing in startups and whatnot. Pitched him. Yes. He liked it. Uh, we kind of refined the idea a little bit, uh, made it a bit better. And then he had a friend coming over from Hong Kong who was a billionaire. And he said, well, let's see what he thinks as well. So I okay. kind of put a bit of a pitch together. Uh, you know, some sleepless nights or whatnot, and then got the call up and uh, went to pitch uh, the billionaire known as Harry. The billionaire known as Harry. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So is that where it all really began in your next journey? Yeah, so I pitched in the app. He liked it. He wanted to invest. And um, it was very kind of uh, quick. You know, I pitched the app on a, on a Tuesday and I ended up, you know, getting the money and working for him on a Thursday or something like that. So wow. he already had a pretty big tech company. Yeah. He had, he had a pretty big tech company with a few different projects underneath him. And, yes. um, and he wanted me to add my project underneath the mother company, so to speak. So we ended up doing that. And um, I was kind of working remotely on the Gold Coast, managing a team in Serbia of programmers, designers, uh, no marketers at that time, but, you know, I was doing the marketing for the project and, uh, we essentially, yeah, built three 
pretty big social networks from the ground up, both on the Gold yes. Coast and I went to live in Serbia as well. And uh, yeah, they had some decent success. One of them, I think, had half a million users at one stage and um, was going pretty big. But uh, in all things business, you know, there's a few hurdles and obstacles and we kind of got kicked off this store and dropped this payment uh, processor and whatnot. And it was um, a very good learning experience, but the apps aren't around today. We kind of merged them into a uh, another company uh, known as BVL currently. Okay, awesome. So that whole experience, you ended up getting this opportunity, this introduction to meet this billionaire investor, Harry. How would you relate that to people that are looking to get a job right now in the marketing world or even people that are in the marketing world? If how can you, they get in how can they yep. get in contact with the right people, connect with the right people to open up those doors and opportunities? All right, so I'll answer that. I'll answer those two questions. So the first one is, you know, if you're presenting an idea or an offer or whatnot, you have to, first of all, believe in it. <laughs> um, yeah. And if you don't believe in it, then people uh, read your body language and tone of voice very easily and quickly. And if they're people that don't have much time, like the wealthy, then they're just going to say no straight away. I've seen us prepare for a meeting for, you know, two months for Harry to sit down and within the first minute, get up and say, sorry, and just walk out. Yes. Uh, so just because that, you know, he doesn't even need to hear the pitch. Like if you're not confident pitching or in your product, then God, you're not going to make it work. It's hard enough to make anything work, let alone if you don't believe in it or you, you can't even fake that you believe in it sort of thing. So um, that's that. The second thing is how do you get in front of these people? So every single person listening knows somebody who uh, owns, oh, sorry, earns, uh, earns or has a net worth of a million dollars. If you don't, then you know somebody who has a net worth of a hundred thousand dollars. But yes. that person that uh, has a net worth of a hundred thousand dollars knows somebody who has a net worth of a million dollars. And that person who has a net worth of a million dollars knows somebody at ten. And then that person at ten knows somebody at a hundred. And then that person at a hundred knows somebody at a billion. So the whole key is to skip the steps. So you know you want to try and. Uh, not so much, you know, get the person um, at the top straight away. You might need to go through a few, you know, um, dinners and meetings and relationship buildings and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think that everybody is probably four steps away from a billionaire. Um, you just need to be smart about how you position yourself so that you can get in contact with them. And then when the time is right, then you really need to go above and beyond to impress them. Uh, and one like key takeaway is to treat them like an everyday person. Don't treat them like a God or anything like that because they get that all the time. So you need to be different and uh, just treat them like an everyday person who um, is interested in, in your business and your passion and your idea. And they're pretty much buying you and your enthusiasm at the end of the day. And, yeah, uh, awesome. you know, so, you know, they, they invest in stuff like this all the time. And so a million dollars here or there is nothing to them. So they're more buying into you. And so as an employer, they're buying into you as opposed to, um, you know, your, your skill. Everyone can learn skill. But um, if you don't have the passion and the, the fire, then uh, you probably won't go too far. Amazing. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I, I really, truly believe that even in my sales days, just connecting to one person that connected you to another person that connected you to another person. You never really know where the one person you meet is going to end up or, or how things are going to play out. For sure. So I opened this podcast talking about Tom as someone who's a bit of a, a change maker, someone who's impacting other marketers at the moment, other businesses. 
And Tom's had a, a pretty unique um, access to that world and people have had pretty unique access to Tom. So let's maybe fast forward to where you are today and what you're doing and how you're helping businesses. Okay, so today I, I started uh, at Luke Hawkins, who is a, uh, he used to run one of the top NLP companies in Australia. We've since transitioned more into like business transformation, uh, kind of crossed with personal development, sort of seminars, online products or whatnot. And Luke's, you know, an amazing speaker. He has a very good ability to break people through, whether it's in their personal life, relationship, business, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I started with uh, Luke about six months ago as their head of marketing. We run, uh, you know, a fair few campaigns, did a live tour around Australia, generated, you know, 3,000 leads in a month. You were part of that as well. Um, that was a that was a good experience, and um, you know we we really had to go above and beyond with like the direct response sort of stuff. We needed results now, uh, and it was kind of to a cold audience as well because we were transitioning, uh, you know, niches and sectors and and whatnot. So it was a bit of an ask, but we got there in the end. So I've since uh, changed position to general manager, uh, while I'm still doing uh, the marketing for Loop too. So. I mean, the, the biggest um, relative to the marketing stuff that we're talking about at the moment is our inner circle. Now, these people are paying us a fair bit a year for, you know, 12 months of mentorship. And every week they get a uh, call with Luke and a call with myself. So I help them with all things marketing, advertising, sales, and, uh, and we really go through their ads, look at their organic stuff, you know, optimize their uh, messenger sequences and you know help them with all things business so these guys are probably doing between 100 and 500,000 each a year as coaches or consultants looking to yes. get to that seven figure mark so what is the what would you say is the core piece of advice you you believe in have a good offer have a good offer <laughs> awesome that's that's really powerful yeah that is definitely yeah. really powerful if you if you put up an ad uh, on Facebook that has uh, a call to action that says click here for a million dollars or click here to claim a million dollars or we'll transfer a million dollars into your bank account if you click this and yes. it has a picture of a dog and the caption is written in Hebrew, uh, you'll still get lots of clicks and <laughs> lots of people will take it up because it's such a good offer. For sure. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, so to kind of round out this podcast, this whole chat, it may be this, a similar answer to what you've just given, or it may be a completely new answer, but what's the one thing that you have done throughout your career that has gotten you to where you are today? Understood what people want and then give it to them in a way that fulfills you, so to speak. Um, and I can expand on it if you want. Uh, but if you don't understand what people want as a marketer or as a person in general, and you spit out 10 features of your product or service, but they yes. want feature out of 20 that you can provide, but you just don't think that is, is worthy of getting in the top 10, then, um, then you're screwed. So what you need to do is ask them what they want and then work out whether or not you can deliver it. And then if you can, then it's just a matter of price. And so whether that be a job interview um, or a meeting with a billionaire, um, understanding what they want is going to put you a trillion steps ahead 
of everybody else that just um, spits out products and, and features and you know services and whatnot. A practical explanation could be um, getting market research and, and pre-selling something before you make it. Like that would literally save you hundreds of thousands. I wish I'd done that lots and lots of times. Would have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of hours, um, and a lot of pain and stress. If you yes. just ask people what they want, pre-sell it, and then build it, as opposed to build it and then market it. Cool, awesome. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. Thanks for coming on today and sharing some insight into no your career, how it's all evolved, and and some great tidbits of information there that people can take away regardless of if they're in the marketing world or they have a business and they're trying to grow their business. So that's really awesome advice. Thank you. Good sir. No worries.